0: Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. We give thee but thine own. All that we have is from thee. So, Lord, we give back to you in gratitude for your abundant, undeserved blessings to us. It's all yours, and we give a part of it back to you for your glory, for your kingdom's work. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, good morning to you, and uh, if you're visiting for the first time, we're happy to have you here today. It's a day to celebrate God's goodness, to celebrate the joy of living in Naples, Florida, Aren't we blessed with all the warmth we want, all the humidity. It's so good for our skin. It's good for the body to perspire and get rid of all those toxins. People say up north, you know, how do you stand it? All that humidity and all the heat. Well, we have air conditioning (laughs) in our car, in our home. We have swimming pools. We have colorful clothes to wear. We're a blast, aren't we? Plus, we have this great fellowship here. I don't know where on earth I'd rather be this morning than right here in Naples, Florida, and with, with our, our family here. Thank you so much. Uh, you get the focus today, it's all about Jesus. And uh, that, that song from Dan reminded us it's all about Jesus, In the when it's all said and done. At the end of this life, and as we pass from this life to eternity, the question is not going to be, were you a good person? Did you help the poor? Did you give in the offering Sunday morning? It's going to be, what did you do with Jesus? What's your answer about Jesus? Jesus fulfills, these Bibles that we have, have the Old Testament and the New Testament The testament could actually be in the original translated, the real word is covenant. This is the old covenant of all the Old Testament prophets and the new covenant, which is the ultimate prophet, Jesus Christ, the anointed one. And so when we open this Bible, we look and, you know, all the the pages in the Old Testament, you know, why is this here? Why is this here? God created a line to bring us the anointed one, the Messiah. Way back to the book of Genesis in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, God made a covenant, the Adamic covenant, that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. That was very prophetic back at the very beginning of time. The seed of the woman, traced all the way to Jesus of Nazareth, would crush the head of Satan. That's a prophecy from way back at the beginning. Then there's the Abrahamic covenant, the promise of God to Abraham that through his seed, all the nations of the world would be blessed. And you can trade, you can uh, trace the heritage of Jesus all the way back to Abraham, because it is of Abraham's seed that we have Jesus, the Messiah. The Mosaic Covenant was created at Mount Sinai. And the covenant with God was that if you obey the law, the nation of Israel will be blessed. If you obey the law. But we know that the nation of Israel strayed and broke the covenant with God. That can be a controversial thing, as there's still a covenant with Israel today. But Israel, uh, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, wandered back and forth to God, away from God, to God, away from God. And uh, that, that's the Mosaic covenant. If you obey the law, you will be blessed. Then there's the Davidic covenant from King David. King David was a man after God's own heart, not perfect, but a man after God's own heart. And the Davidic covenant is from your line, from the house of David, will come a great leader that will last forever. The throne of David will be established and will last forever. And we know the successors to David's throne were anything but perfect. Many wandered away from God, but out of the line of David would come the anointed one, that would uh, sustain the throne of David forever and ever. And then there's the, uh, the prophecies in the book of Isaiah. Uh, now, this was given mm, 700 years before Christ, where in Isaiah chapter 9, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine, you will enlarge the nation of israel and goes on to say for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and are you hearing the classic messiah and he i won't be singing it, but i'll read it and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor, David. The line of David there is established through, through Isaiah. And even going on, that's from Isaiah 9, Isaiah 11. Out of the stump of David's throne will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of God will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. These are the verses that Jesus quoted when he announced his beginning of his ministry in his hometown synagogue, and his hometown people almost killed him because he said this... Prophecy is fulfilled today in our presence, and people didn't like that, that their hometown boy was claiming to be the Son of God. Going on in Isaiah, you're very familiar with the verses again. Handel captured this so well in his Messiah, predicting how the Messiah would die. Jewish people were experiencing a conquering king that would come in and overrule the Romans and kick them out and establish the nation of Israel to its former glory. But the prophecy about Jesus is twofold. One is the one that happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus came as a suffering servant. The other will come millennium later when Jesus comes back on his reappearance as the conquering king. But listen how specifically Isaiah prophesies the death of Christ. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with deepest grief, and we turned our back on him and looked the other way. Yet it was our weakness he carried It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We have left God's path to follow our own. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 600 years before predicted how the Messiah would suffer. So that's the picture from the Old Testament. Jesus came and established a new covenant. The new covenant begins with Jesus. He is the ultimate prophet. He, he came to inaugurate God's kingdom forever. You know, when we pray the Lord's Prayer... Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy kingdom come. We are praying that God's kingdom and we're going to pray that together in unity at the end of this message. And his establishment of the kingdom that began 2000 years ago will be completed at his final reappearance and we read about that in the book of Revelation. Well that leads us to the story of Jesus. He was born in Palestine. Palestine was uh, ruled by the uh, Syrians, the Hellenists of Syria. Uh, in uh, 63 BC, Pompey of Rome came in and conquered all the territory west of the Euphrates, which include Palestine. Palestine has three regions. We'll look at the map here of, of these regions. It's, uh, it's made, of, uh, made up of three regions, Judea in the south which is made of the conservative, the religious community, uh, the home of Jerusalem and Bethlehem and Bethany. It was here with the religious elite, as Pastor Kurt likes to call them, the denominational leaders, that uh, resided in them. They were the conservatives. They were the enemies of Jesus. They, were, uh, they, were the, they, they ruled life. And then in the center part of the state was Samaria, Remember back when King David died, the kingdom split, and so part of the kingdom stayed with Judah, Judea, Judah, with Judea, and part of it became Samaria, and that was called Israel, and the northern part was called Judah, and the divided kingdom that went on for years and years and years of fighting between uh, the uh, Samaritans and the Jews in Judea. And finally, Galilee. Galilee, the, the place where Jesus was raised in the north, it was agricultural, it was a fishing community at Lake uh, Galilee, and there were many Gentiles in that area. It was more ruled by Gentiles because it was along the trade routes for the Romans. And so Jesus growing up had all kinds of contacts with the Romans and the centurions and all, of that, with all the good and bad that was going on in the Roman world. The story is told in four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're called the synoptic Gospels. Synoptic means view together. These are four views of the life of Jesus from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so from the synoptic, we get uh, coordinated views of the life of Jesus. Matthew was written to the Jewish community. Uh, Matthew's message was Jesus fulfills the Old Testament law and prophets. Incidentally, Matthew's genealogy, that's the part that we skip over, begat, begat, begat. It's important because Matthew, being a Jew, speaking to the Jewish community, traces Jesus' line back to Abraham. And he follows Abraham and the David bloodline. And it's from Solomon follows the David bloodline through Solomon, and that is the actual bloodline to Mary, the mother of Jesus. But that's not all. Luke wrote a genealogy, more begat, 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 but he wrote it to the Gentile world. Luke was a Gentile, he was a Greek, he was a Roman, and he, he wrote his uh, gospel to the Gentile world. And he traces Jesus' gene- genealogy all the way back to Adam, signifying that Jesus is the Savior, not only of the Jewish community, but the whole world. And so it goes all the way back, and Luke's line goes all the way to Joseph, the earthly father. So Luke follows the legal line of Jesus' genealogy. Matthew carries the bloodline of Jesus to legitimize who Jesus is as the promised the anointed one. By the way, <clears throat> Messiah is the Jewish word for the anointed one. Uh, Christ is the Greek word for the anointed one. Jesus Christ, Christ wasn't his last name. It wasn't Jesus, you know, when he filled out his application, first name Jesus, second name Christ. Jesus is his birth name. Christ is his position as, as the anointed one. And then there is Mark. Mark is a book of action. Mark was a close associate of Peter. So all the things that Peter shared verbally Mark recorded in the gospel. And a couple of the other gospels are based on the early writing of Mark about 60 A.D. And then there's John. John has our passage for today that I'm going to read, and we're going to focus our attention on that. I watch, I, I'm one of the preachers that watches my time. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, follow along. John chapter 1. This is powerful stuff. In the beginning was the Word... Notice that WORD is with a capital W. The Word is referring to Jesus, the actual Word of God. We have here the written Word of God. Jesus is the living Word of God. And in the beginning, the Word existed. That means that Jesus existed from the very beginning of time. Like God, he has no beginning and no end. The Word was with God. So there's the beginning of the Trinity that Jesus, the Son of God, was there at the very beginning. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. Sure, God is the creator. You know, Jesus was the creator. He was part of the creative team. Uh, Nothing was created except without him through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. So he's not only this nice savior that walked on the earth for 33 years. He is the creator of the world, creator of the universe. And his life brought light to everybody. Now it comes down to our world. This light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. When we think about all the darkness in our world today, there's a lot of it. We see it Watch the news, go to the movies, read the newspaper, look around us. There's darkness everywhere. But the darkness can never extinguish the light of Jesus. Then it says, God sent John the Baptist to tell about the light so that everyone might believe in his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell us about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So John the Baptist had a very key role in paving the way for the coming of Christ the Messiah. Now now here's where it gets personal and real and close to us. He came into the very world he created. Jesus came into the world he created, but the world he created didn't recognize him. Isn't that ironic? You think about that. He's the creator, but we didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But, important three letters, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become children of God. Wow. We as sinners, separated from God, undeserving, he gave us the right, some translate the privilege, to become children of God. That's why we call him Abba, Papa, Father. They are reborn, not with physical birth, resulting from human passion, but from the birth that comes from God. This is why Jesus later said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. (laughs) And Nicodemus said, I'm a grown man, how can I enter in my mom's womb and be born again? No, no, Jesus said, you're born of the physical, now you need to be reborn of the spiritual. That's part of the story. So, the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. This is different uh, from from the law that was given. Jesus was full of love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father. So that's the story of Jesus uh, presented in the Synoptic Gospels. It was interesting that uh, John, the writer, he, was called, he called himself the, uh, the disciple that Jesus loved. As you read through, he, re- he talked about Peter, and he talked, but he, when he talked about himself, he didn't use his name. He talked about uh, the disciple that Jesus loved. It was very true that John had a very close relationship with his master. He was the one that leaned on Jesus' breast, breast during the Last Supper. Uh, how do we know what God is like? May, I don't know how you picture Him. Maybe you picture Him with this beautiful artwork that was done. Uh, masculine. And some of the old pictures we have has real long hair and white robes and maybe a halo on top. This is kind of how I think of Him. Uh, there is a some of you know the story of the little girl grade the teacher had asked to draw a picture of something that's really important in your life. She came and this little girl was busy working and writing and scribbling, and she, the teacher said, "What are you drawing?" She says, "Oh, I'm drawing a picture of God." And the teacher says, "Well, that's impossible. Nobody knows what God looks like." She said, "Well, they will when I'm done. <laughs> I guess we can make up our own thing, what we think about Jesus. But um, John knew Jesus very intimately. Uh, Through John, we meet God face to face. Through John, we meet Nicodemus, who came to Jesus at night. And Jesus said, you must be born again. We meet Doubting Thomas. How would you like to have the name Doubting Thomas for centuries? But we meet Thomas. We meet the woman at the well who happened to be a Samaritan, by the way. Remember that central district that the Jews hated? Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman who had a past, a very immoral past. We meet Lazarus, who has risen from the dead in a dramatic way. Dustin, you can take that picture down now. Thank you. Jesus is the I Am. Remember when Moses met God at the burning bush, and Moses said, who should I say sent me? And God said, "Tell them, I am sent me." This is a strange name, I am. It's just that, well, I am. God can say, "I am. I exist. I am." That's that's uh, translated Yahweh, Yahweh, where we get Jehovah. Yahweh. The Jews wouldn't even pronounce the name Yahweh. It was too holy. When Jesus described himself, he said, I am the good shepherd. Yahweh, the good shepherd. I am Yahweh, the light of the world. I am Yahweh. Remember when the um, soldiers came to arrest Jesus? And they, uh, Jesus said, who are you looking for? And the soldier said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am He. And they shuddered back the power of that name. When they asked him, he said, Yahweh, I am. Jesus is the word. The word is an interesting word. It's with a capital W. Uh, The Greek word is logos. L-O-G-O-S. It's where we get the word logic. Uh, For the Jews, the word was representing God's power and wisdom. To the Greeks, it was the rational principle guiding the universe and making life coherent. The Greeks were all about understanding the universe and understanding life. So, logic, logos, the word... Jesus is the encapsulation of all wisdom, all power, all logic, the guiding principle of the universe because he created the whole thing. But we look back at the Jesus life. He he was born humbly. His miraculous birth in an inconsequential village called Bethlehem. It was here that the shepherds raised sheep that would go to Jerusalem to be sacrificed for the sins of the people. Isn't that interesting? Born where the sheep were raised, and Jesus being the ultimate sacrifice. But the the shepherds came. They were were blue-collar. And God revealed the birth of his son through shepherds, humble farmers, blue-collar people. And then he made it known to astrologers from probably from Persia, So God chose to reveal, not to kings and priests and princes, but to the lowly shepherds and to outsiders, uh, pagans really, from Persia, that God chose to reveal the birth of his son. Interesting. Then there are the quiet years. We don't know much what happened between Bethlehem and Jerusalem, but we know that Jesus grew up in Nazareth, And he became strong and he obeyed his parents and he grew in stature and wisdom. And uh, we we meet him at age 12 in Jerusalem where he's in the uh, temple teaching the priests and prophets about Scripture at 12 years old. And then uh, John the Baptist announced him as, here is the one that I was speaking of, here he is, the savior of the world. And the Holy Spirit comes down and says, this is my beloved son, in whom am I a well priest. What a great ordination, right? To have the Holy Spirit saying that. So from hum- humble beginnings, uh, the people in Judah, the people in Jerusalem, they look down on Galilee. Remember the state, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And here, this humble man from a humble birth, from a humble hick town, came forward and began to do amazing things. He did miracles. He walked on water. He calmed the storm. He fed 5,000. He raised Lazarus. He turned water into wine, one of Willie's favorite miracles. Uh. (laughs) He healed the lame man, Bethesda Pool. That's why we have hospitals today called Bethesda. Jesus healed that's Bethesda. Sorry, I'm going to pay for that comment, I'm sure. (laughs) Not only was he a miracle worker, he had compassion. He cared for women in a society that just put women down. He loved children in a society where children were seen but not heard. When When his disciples said, should I chase the kids away? He says, no, let them come to me. He loved outsiders. He loved the pagans. He loved the Romans. He loved the Samaritans. He loved the the woman caught in adultery. He loved the tax collectors and the sinners. It caused him big big trouble among the aristocracy because he confided and and, uh, hung around with sinners and, and no goods. He was an amazing man. Humble birth, hanging around with people that nobody else wanted to have around. And he said, I came to seek and to save the lost. I didn't come from those that are already righteous or think they're righteous. I came to save the lost, the sinner, the outcast. He cared. When Matthew, the tax collector, probably, you know, it'd be like an IRS auditor coming to your place. Matthew was that guy that everybody hated, was a traitor. And and, uh, when he came to Jesus he brought all of his fellow irs workers for a party with jesus and jesus came strongly criticized by his peers he confronted he confronted the rich and the powerful he said he he uh, he said to the rich man you need to sell it all and follow me he uh, He cleared the temple of those that were making money and merchandising and making money off the temple. He said, this is not a place for making money. This is a place for prayer. He was not afraid. And this is what caused his death because he challenged these guys, the religious hierarchy that was more about obeying the jot and tittle of the law than it was about caring for people and bringing them to truth and righteousness. The gospel of John is the gem of the Bible. And John 3:16 is the gem of the gospel of John. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus is true God. He did signs and wonders the, the, his, uh, his inner group, Peter, James, and John, saw him transfigured in his glorious resurrection body uh, at the transfiguration. He was true God, but he was true man. He got tired. He wept. He got angry. He was tempted. He was true man. He was arrested and put to death. He was true God that he rose from the dead. Jesus was man enough to feel all the pain and agony of terrible crucifixion. And that's been depicted so dramatically in movies and in print and in writing. I don't need to exaggerate that. But he was man enough to feel the pain, but divine enough to turn that pain into redemption for you and me. His death dealt a blow to death. His death dealt a blow to my sin, nailing it to the cross. He lived a perfect life that I could not live. He died the death that I deserved to die. Later, Paul writes, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might have the righteousness of God. Wow! Wow! What an exchange. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God. He took our sins, we took his righteousness. How powerful is that? And he is coming again. His death, his resurrection, his ascension is not the end of the story. John, the writer of the Gospel of John, also goes on to write the final chapter. And he talks about when Jesus comes back next time not as the dying suffering servant but as the triumphant risen victorious king. And he is coming again to establish forever his kingdom on earth. The healings that he did were a precedent to a time when there'll be no more sickness. His resurrection from the dead is a precedent to a time there'll be no more dying. His victory over sorrow is a time when there'll be no more tears because God will wipe away all tears from our eyes. There'll be no more dying, no more sorrow, no more dying in the new kingdom that Jesus comes to establish. That's the part that the early readers of Isaiah missed. They missed the part that Jesus, the Messiah, was going to suffer and die. They were thinking he was going to be the victorious king. Both are true. The first coming, the first appearance, the suffering, the dying, the death. The second coming, the victory, the joy, the new kingdom, and he will come again to establish his kingdom on earth forever. I used to think that when we die, we go to heaven and we'd be floating on the cloud in wearing nightgowns, playing on harps, the rest. That's not true. Jesus is coming to earth. He is coming down to earth to establish a new heaven and a new earth in this world. He will transform this broken world into a wonderful new world. Most of all, he's my savior. I grew up in a home that taught me about Jesus. I never remember a time when I didn't know that God loved me. I went through confirmation and memorized all the verses. I was involved in the youth group, all that, but at age 16 I had a confrontation with Jesus Christ where he became real and personal to me as my forgiver, my savior, my Lord. He's not just at the top of my list, he's at the center of my life. And my life has never been the same. He brought me to his family. He included me in his calling. He's encouraged me in life through the disappointments. He's sustained me through times of sorrow. He's healed me of dire sickness. You've all prayed for me. And I want you to know him. I want you to not just know about him. We all know about him. But this is not, not like knowing about Abe Lincoln. This is about knowing Jesus personally, experientially knowing him as your Savior, your friend, your, your Lord. Not just head knowledge. Move that knowledge down about 18 inches to your heart where you invite Jesus into your heart. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to repent of your ways, which repent means just changing direction. Receive his forgiveness and make Jesus, as I said, not just the top of your list, but the center of your life will you pray with me right now after all it's all about jesus there's so many distractions distracting us from centering on jesus who's the creator of the universe the ultimate redeemer of the world but lord may you be the center of our lives May you occupy not only our minds but our hearts. May you be the center of everything. May we be willing to turn from whatever else is priority to making you priority. May you be high and lifted up. And we may we be known as followers of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.